Welcome to the Learning is Disruptible podcast. We're your hosts, Tony and Jerry Lynn Brown. This is a podcast exploring the intersection of disruptive innovation and homeschool. Kids naturally love to learn, and if their education is structured correctly, they will become lifelong learners. You can customize learning for children of varying ages, strengths, and interests. Do you have what it takes to be different and to be an innovative leader in your home and community? All right, welcome back, everybody. Today, we're going to be talking about the jobs to be done theory. We think it's super important that we talk about this at the beginning of our podcast because it's something that we talk about a lot and we want you to understand what we mean when we talk about jobs to be done. Tony's going to give us a brief introduction to what the jobs to be done theory is, but just as a resource for anybody who's interested in learning more, we highly recommend Competing Against Luck by Clay Christensen and Learning to Build by Bob Mesta. And then if you're interested, Tony also was a guest on the Maze Mastercast podcast, episode 149, and they talked a lot about jobs to be done and Clay's book, Competing Against Luck. Awesome. So the really short version of jobs to be done is every one of us has struggling moments in life and we pull things into our life to help us get through that struggling moment. So sometimes in jobs theory, and that's the shorthand that I'll use a little bit is jobs theory. We talk about we hire things and we fire things. So uh, I'm going to pull something into my life or I'm going to hire it to help me get through that struggling moment in a specific context. And every solution that we hire has a functional, a social, and an emotional component. Can I jump in here? Yes. This struggling moment isn't always something big and really, really hard. It can be as simple as I buy a milkshake because I want something sweet. Mm. Right? Yes, we should definitely have milkshakes. <laughs> but just just so we know, this struggling moment is it's a whole range of things that we encounter in our lifetime. Yeah, it can be big struggles. It can be little struggles. It can be something that's a struggle for me, isn't a struggle for you, anything. So it's it's a really broad theory that has a lot of predictive power. And in those books that Jerry Lynn just mentioned, they really explain well the whole theory. And it's well-developed and has a lot of uh, robust ability to help you to ask really good questions. And I use it at my day job. We use it in our marriage. We use it thinking about homeschool with our kids. So it, it has lots of application. Yeah. So in the education world, we might say, a family is going to fire public school and hire homeschool in its place as a way to... To meet their job, to meet their job to be done of, I want either me or my kids or my whole family to make progress in a specific way. Another aspect of the functional, social, and emotional components of any particular solution is that there's a big interplay between all of them. So if you consider the job of travel from point A to point B, let's just pick a commute like mine that's about 14 miles, there's different solutions I could hire. I could hire an Uber. I could ride a bicycle. I could ride public transit. 
and I could do a combo of all of those, or I could have a car. But functionally, the only one that gets me to and from work quickly is having a car. So that's why I don't hire those other solutions. But then you look at, okay, what kind of car are you going to buy? There's all kind of social and emotional reasons that you buy a car. Otherwise, everybody's cars would look the same. On a particular solution to a job, it's not just does it work, but does it work and does it make me feel good about myself and does it make me have respect amongst people that are around me? And Do I fit in with my community? Am I building a community around myself? Yeah, so there's, there's all kinds of aspects of any particular solution to a job. And if you ignore any of those three, the functional, social, and emotional, you're not going to really understand what a job to be done is. We were actually having a conversation with some friends who had a realtor who said, hey, here's the house you want to buy. And if you didn't have the whole conversation with them, it would look like an impulse purchase. But instead, they had actually been looking for a long time the realtor knew what they liked, and it had been this long and drawn out, at least year-long process. And on that particular house, they they weren't actively looking that day, but because they had a relationship with their realtor, they were able to find this house, become aware of it before it was technically on market, make an offer and close the deal, and get the house with the features that they wanted, which... In like three days. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. They closed on the house in three days. That looks like an impulse purchase, except it wasn't. It had been long, long discussed and planned and considered. And then they made the change once the forces of progress were all aligned. We sort of consider ourselves in conversation with another podcast called Class Disrupted. And on their season three, episode five, they had a little bit of a discussion on jobs to be done and why people make specific choices on how to educate their kids. Because realistically, the path of least resistance is to just enroll your kids in public school. That's the most common answer by far. It's the most socially expected answer. And you have to make a specific decision to not go that route. So the, the four main jobs that people tend to have if they don't hire public school is their kid is in trouble and I want them out of trouble. So that could be anything from bullying to... Struggling academically. Yeah, definitely. It could be they are causing trouble. Uh, there's some aspect of the culture at school that's not good for them in their particular and specific mental and emotional makeup. The second thing that somebody might hire homeschool or other kinds of non-public school solutions would be finding a like-minded community. So what might that look like? Um, in some scenarios, it's a, a religious group of friends that go to church together and want to homeschool together, but it could also be families that like to travel and they want to jump into that community. Yeah. One of the things that has been big for you is you highly value time outside. That's true. Yeah. So we've got co-ops and groups that we participate with that 
really help us have accountability to being outside and to learning outside and just really exploring how nature and time away from screens and out of the house benefits kids in their development, both physically and educationally. Yeah. So there's, there's lots of things that this could look like. I think the stereotype is that it's just a bunch of religious nuts that do homeschool. And I think that the sooner that that stereotype is retired, the better, because there's lots of really good reasons that somebody could hire homeschool in their life. Another one could be a family wants to raise a well-rounded child and they might do this for several different reasons. Well, I don't know. What do you think it looks like? Well, this is the family that's like, the public school is doing a great job at teaching my kid the academics, but I want a kid who also has good life skills and who can manage their money and who can be polite and have good manners. All kinds of things. You want a well-rounded child, one who appreciates nature, for example. Yeah, and I think another piece of this one is they're not all about the rat race of academics, academics, academics first and only and Get forever. my kid into the best school possible. Yeah, it's all about Ivy League, and if it's not an elite university, then it's not worth anything. And, of course, the fourth job to be done is it is all about the rat race. I want my kid in the Ivy League school, and I'm going to pull out all the stops to make it happen. And you might be thinking I have picked sides on which of those is the best, but realistically, they are all good jobs, and a particular family or individual could have a really good reason to try and help them make those choices. So from Bob Mesta's book that we will probably return to many times over the coming months and years is the forces of progress that we consider when we talk about jobs to be done. So there's multiple forces that pull us towards a new solution and there's forces that try to block our change. So on the side of business as usual, there is a desire for change that can come from problem solving and making things better. So that's pushing us towards a particular new solution. So that's just something's not going right now. I'm going to go a different direction to, to make it better. The other thing that can pull you towards a new solution is the attraction of the new way. So this is more of a, a pull where it pulls you in instead of you pushing yourself towards it. And this idea of a new solution is oh, I, I, I can see that thing out there and it is just going to really nail my job. The things that try to block change are the habit of the present or the tug of the historical allegiance. So if you, had, if you have this great nostalgia for homecoming and prom and... Football games. Football games. That's like the state religion of Texas, so... If that's something that means a lot to you, that pull of the present and of the historical experience is going to really slow you down from making a, a different choice. And then the other thing that blocks change is the anxiety of a new solution. You might see it out there, but you don't really know until you've pulled it into your life whether or not it's going to meet your needs better. So those 
those ideas are all really connected, but the way that they pull you to the new solution, but also push you away from it. And nobody really makes the change until the pull of the new solution overcomes the pull of the old solution. So Tony talked about some of the overarching jobs to be done in education, but just to get down into some of the nitty gritties, uh, some people hire public school for childcare because they have mom and dad both working full time and they need somewhere for their kids to be during the day. Some people it's. Well, um, hold on. I, w- I want to push pause on that one because that's really important for a lot of people. I don't think educators think of themselves as childcare providers, but that was one of the real big lessons of the pandemic is you really need a place for your kid to be. And if parents and children are both suddenly working from home together uh, and you didn't have your life structured that way on purpose, it was really tough for people. Some people hire public school to teach their kids how to read or how to, you know, the specific academic subjects because they don't feel confident in their ability to do it themselves. Kind of like what Tony mentioned too, just to prepare them for higher education. Some people hire homeschool for the ability to participate in elite sports. Uh, They need the time and the flexibility that homeschool provides to be able to participate in those activities. Um, We talked about alike communities and, but also just creativity. A lot of people will say that public schools kill creativity and homeschoolers claim that they're able to combat that, that loss of creativity within the children through their methods. Isn't one of the famous TED talks by Ken Robinson all about how public school kills creativity? I think so. That seems right. For others, it's the flexibility and, and the ability to travel and to participate in extracurricular fun things on the schedule that they prefer. So only you can define your job to be done. And that job to be done might be hidden. And it may need time, either in public school or at home, to really uncover what's important to you and what, what problems you want to solve. Other jobs may stick out already and be obvious to you, but you have to decide which form of education is the best fit for those jobs. You're going to have to make trade-offs because some jobs are better served at home and others will be better served at school. You can't really know what the trade-offs are until you've done the right kind of thinking before that. But trade-offs are essential. In many ways, we believe that homeschool is better tailored to the jobs to be done for individual families. A public school is an organization that has their own jobs to be done, and they want what's best for their students, but at the end of the day, they can only tailor to the specific student so much. Homeschool is exceedingly more flexible for individualized learning, so we feel that you know, it really meets a lot of jobs to be done if you can, if you can make it work. So the last thing we might consider here is why we're launching this podcast on education and homeschool during the summer is most of the time people make big changes at a natural transition time. When people move and buy new homes, they typically do it in the summer to avoid disrupting school and disrupting in the regular sense, not in the disruptive innovation sense. In my experience with friends, those who have pulled their kids out of public school most often do it either in the summer before a new school year or 
in between the semesters at a natural break in the grading timeline. There's something about having that natural transition time that makes you more likely to take that first step in exploring a new solution and a new behavior. And so our challenge to you as we end this podcast is to really dive deep and discover what are some of your jobs to be done when it comes to educating your children and your family and which education option best meets those jobs. And we won't judge you if you choose public school because we know that that is a good fit for a lot of families. But also don't forget that it's okay to be different and it's okay to try new things. When we were first talking about our jobs to be done with education, this was back before our oldest was even in kindergarten. We were one of those families that were asking questions and trying to figure out what the future looked like. And at first, it was very much the the habit of the present or that historical allegiance of we did public school and that worked for us. So that will work for our kids. But the more we talked about it, the more we felt that pull of the new solution, that attraction of something different, a new way of doing things. And we took that pre-K year with our oldest as a a time to experiment and see if we could make homeschool work for us. And we did. We found that we really liked it and it was really going to work for us. When I was talking about jobs to be done, the flexibility was a big one for us because at the time, Tony was working full-time But his days off was Thursday and Sunday, and he worked an evening shift. So he went into work at 2 o'clock and didn't get home until 10.30. And so for us, if we'd have sent kids to public school, they would have never seen dad. At least that's how we felt, because they would be off to school, and then he wouldn't be home when they got home. And on Saturdays, when it would naturally be a good time to spend time as a family, dad would be at work. And so we were able to transition to where we did homeschool on Saturdays and our off day was on Thursday. And so there's just so many ways that you can make homeschool or other non-traditional forms of schooling meet your jobs to be done. And we hope that we can open your eyes to those opportunities. Thanks, everybody, for listening today to the Learning is Disruptable podcast. Be sure to share the episode with a friend, subscribe to the show, and leave us a five-star review. Have a great day.